0: Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized, I am going to be a dentist. (laughs) Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales, as we go behind the smiles. This is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Yappy, an automated paperless software for dentists and their teams. Learn more at yappyapp.com. This podcast episode is a special two part feature. You're currently listening to part one.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Smiles. I'm here today with Dr. Edison Killin. Dr. Edison is a practicing dentist, he's an author, a speaker, and a business coach. He's an owner and a partner in six dental practices in the Midwest. Prior to the dental field, he was the numbers guy in a large conglomerate. He lives in Lincoln, Nebraska with his wife, Rachel, and their two boys. Outside of the dental office, he enjoys endurance bike racing and all things outdoors. Welcome to the show, Edison. Thank you so much for carving out some time to be with us today.
0: Um, Yeah, no problem, Gina.
1: Um, I let's, you know, everyone knows you as a numbers guy. Tell me about this. How, how did you get into the numbers? What's your background?
0: Yeah. So after college, um, you know, I had kind of, I'd been working in the restaurants, um, you know, since high school and, uh, the, uh, owner of these restaurants, um, was friends with my dad. And at a certain point when he lost his, um, main accountant, he called and said, well, Hey, I need you to stop work in the restaurants and just come and help me. And so I had absolutely no knowledge of um, Excel or spreadsheets or anything. And basically um, that's what I did for a few years was um, just get, um, you know, get into the numbers of each restaurant. Um, We also ran a brewery. um, And then the portion of the business that actually made the most money was a defense contractor where we make machines that erase hard drives uh, for, for the military, um, as well as NATO countries. And so that was where I really got my, my feet wet with, um, making sure that the uh, businesses can run correctly. Um, you know, dental practices, we are pretty healthy. We have good margins. Um, although we, some of us do much better and some do worse. Um, but it's, it's at least we have a very low, uh, rate of failure. Um, but in the restaurant field, there's like 80% failure rate within the first five years. And that's because their margins wow. are so tight. It's just horrible. And so if you're not running the restaurant correctly, um, whether you're buying incorrect food or, uh, serving portions are too high or, you know, even some of the costs, uh, that I focused a lot of my energy on was actually the energy side of the restaurant. So, um, uh, HVAC. So like, in the winter, you know, a one degree temperature can make, uh, like a $20,000 difference in your heating bill oh. through the course of a winter. So, so we, uh, we often kind of focused on little things like that, that when you just focus on little uh, aspects, that's how you can get your numbers better. So that's, that's where I got my start. Um, I did that for a few years and then, um, uh, I kind of said, Hey, I, I still like the art side uh, i still want to do something with my hands and so that's when i uh, thankfully got into dental school um uh, this, on my second try and so um yeah that's when i went into dental school and did that
1: excellent now you mentioned restaurants in the restaurant they they have very thin profit margins as far as i understand now in dentistry we have very healthy margins Yet, you know, saving money and, and watching the numbers can really help, right? And that's where you um, you wrote a book called By the Numbers. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great book where you talk about different metrics that dentists can measure. And, I mean, you really, you know, it's a, it's a great... When I read this book, I um, I found so many interesting concepts that I've never really heard about before. I mean, as dentists, we are... You know, some of us are not great business people. We don't always make good uh, business decisions. Why do we not make good business decisions? What's going on?
0: (laughs) Well, I think it all starts from dental school. You know, they, uh, and and there's still a pervasive belief, even in dental schools today, is that uh, they're trying to train us to be good clinicians. And obviously that's their main focus. Uh, They can't let us out into the world with poor hand skills um, or important knowledge in that respect. Um, they really need us to just pass the state board exams and everything. Um, but they really fail. And some of them really shy away from even talking about business or profit or anything like that. Um, because they don't want to turn dentistry into a business. I mean, I think, um, I'd heard the other day that, you know, even back in the eighties, uh, Howard Ferran was called, a you know, a charlatan and a, he was, it was heresy to talk about advertising in dentistry. I think it was even illegal in Britain to advertise as a dentist up until the last uh, 15 years or something. And so, you know, you know, we are in the medical field and so uh, we're kind of, we need to do a better job of, of running our businesses though, because if we don't do a good job of that, then we're going to get, We're going to have problems and it's just, and, you know, we need to be able to make money to support and have the gasoline to run our businesses and employ our, our workers and and everything. And so it's really sad that dental schools don't teach a better education. Um, I'm hoping though, like the reason I wrote the book uh, was to help people um, who might not have much of a knowledge or come out of dental school without much uh, help there and this, it was trying to be a simple enough book, um, really just meat and potatoes stuff, though, because we wanted it to be uh, just easy to execute on. And so that's kind of uh, why I wrote it. There's not a lot of fluff in there. It's, it's pretty down, like getting to the points and, uh, and talking about the real stuff there.
1: I was actually surprised how little fluff there is. I mean, this is, this is <laughs> you, you're absolutely correct. It's the meat and potatoes and the bare bones and it's to the point. Yet, I, you know, I've uh, run my own practice for what, um, 17 years now. Um, I own um, I'm a part owner in a software company, and, um, and I thought I was business savvy. And then when I read your book, there were some moments where I said, well, how come I've never heard of this before? <laughs> and yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight to this. So we, we all know KPIs. KPIs, you know, yeah. that's, that's like, you know, common language. Leading indicators? I've never heard of this until I read your book. And I, I'm probably embarrassing myself right now, but tell me, what, what are leading indicators? What is that?
0: So, leading indicators are you know measuring the actions, um, and it's it's usually a little bit harder to measure. But it's it's actions or patterns that are going to lead to your KPIs or your key indicators. So, you know, in our dental practices, we always um, we always look at the production, the uh, collections, new patients. I mean, uh, and and then you know, fifteen days later, when our accountant gives us our month end P and L, then we get to see okay, what was our overhead and what you know what percentage of money did we spend on collect- or on the uh, dental supplies or lab or or uh, human resources like our hygienists or front desk? So, so we're looking backwards. Yeah, so we're looking backwards, and that's the KPIs, and those are great numbers. But what um, what things lead to those KPIs? And so the leading indicators are like patterns uh, looking forward in time. And so some of that, uh, you know, like some of the big ones that I love to track are. Uh, days to next new patient, and so if a new patient were to call, how many days ahead of time um, does it uh, take to schedule? Um, so, you know, hopefully that would be like three to seven days. Um, if we book out more than seven days, a uh, patient on the phone might say, "Okay, schedule me," but then they won't show up, um, or they just won't schedule. I mean, if we're booking, sometimes dentists are like, "Oh my, my clinic is going so great." Um, booked up for the next two months. And I, I say, well, that's, that does feel great, but actually that means you're not getting in new patients. And then, you know, you might schedule, you might be able to fill those seats, but then they have a higher, a very, very high rate of no showing. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes we need to look at those leading indicators to really see where's the ideal, um, target is for those. So like days to next new patient, um, that Would be one that kind of measures the hygiene schedule so that, re- that really tells you how uh, efficient your hygiene schedule is. But also, we all know that uh, new patients are a great source of revenue, and so uh, we know that we have to get those new patients in quickly. The other one would be measuring the doctor's schedule and how full are they. Um, and so, I use the term days to next uh, number of days to the next rock appointment, and the rock is that hour and a half or so appointment that you could do a few thousand dollars worth of treatment so um, that you'd be able to do a few implants or um, you know something big that uh, a rock would be that that big fountain, good foundation of your daily production so yeah so the, like measuring how busy your doctor schedule is and until you know I started tracking these numbers nobody uh, ever told me that I should be looking at that it's always like, oh, I feel really good. I'm booked four weeks out. Well, that's that's good. But if you only run one room of, you know, one doctor room with one assistant, that means you're potentially leaving money on the table and you could be doing better. So you should hire another assistant and open up your second column or start to do staggered scheduling and uh, some of those things. So it's amazing how uh, a lot of doctors just don't, don't think about that. And so when you start to look at, the numbers and the trends you start to see what uh, what should actually happen there and what's the best decision. So
1: this is great because what i'm hearing is that the leading indicators are um, something that's going to help us make better business decisions because a lot of times we make decisions based on our gut feeling. Like i yeah. feel like my hygiene schedule is really busy so i'm going to bring on another hygienist. And, and you see those questions online, you know, you and I participate in the same forums and we see those questions online from uh, dentists asking, should I bring another hygienist? Should I hire an associate? And, and this is really how we know, not looking backwards at what we've done before, but really looking forward and, and planning what we're going to do in the future. This is great. Uh, Tell me in your book, you mentioned the scorecard. Uh, Tell me about the scorecard. I, I, I found it really interesting.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the big things um, Harvard Business School talks about and uh, many of the um, teachers the professors there always say is that basically, you know, the health of your business should be able to be tracked on a scorecard. Um, It could be a a literally like a three by five note card. Um, It should have all the numbers on it and you should be able to know the health of your business on a weekly or monthly basis by the scorecard. Um, you know, 20 to 25 numbers or, you know, 15 to 25. So my scorecard basically has two sides. It has the leading indicator side, which is um, all those trends and numbers that uh, aren't necessarily associated with money, but their actions. Um, there are a lot of behaviors that if we measure them, they can start to tell us, okay, you know, if I, if I eat more green beans and kale, I'm going to lose weight hopefully. (laughs) So, I mean, losing weight would be the KPI and that'd be like the scale, but eating more broccoli and other green junk, you know, that would lead to it hopefully. So the half of the scorecard is the leading indicators. um, And then the other half is the trailing indicators or the KPIs. And so um, I, I kind of shorten those up. And so the KPIs are the key and then the LPIs are the leading. And so, yeah, that's uh, basically the scorecard. If you looked at that, um, and that's what I like to run for my practices, um, I can pretty much just tell on a weekly basis what everything is. Now, some of those indicators I, I like to track weekly. So most of the, uh, quite a few of the leading indicators are weekly. Um, a couple are monthly because it's sometimes if the data set is so small, you can't really get a good um, uh, statistical uh, representation of what's going on. So. That's why sometimes it's better to just take a monthly view of it. And then most of the KPIs are monthly. And that's kind of at the end of the month, you see how you do. Um, but really, that's just, you know, that's just tells you the score of the game. Um, it just doesn't tell you strategy and how to get there.
1: Excellent. And I like how you describe in your book, you describe that the the, the scorecard is something you would be able to read on the beach and know exactly (laughs) how your practice is doing. Um, And and I love the idea of really narrowing this down. Um, There are a lot of uh, numbers software out there now. There, There are quite a few and, and, and this is great because, you know, years, just a few years ago, we didn't have any, all of a sudden it really, you know, mushroomed and, and, uh, Uh, we have a lot of choices. I use something, uh, called, uh, practice by numbers. Uh, Mm -hmm. there are quite a few other ones that are pretty good. Do you like this kind of software? Do you recommend using it?
0: Oh yes, definitely. I think that's, it's gotta be, everyone just has to have it. Um, you can run most of this data, um, yourself and that's fine. Uh, but at the same point, you probably shouldn't be wasting your time doing that. Um, So, yeah, so, and uh, really no software in my book, no software catches all the numbers that I want to look at. And so a lot of it is actually looking uh, and doing some of these things manually, but it's, it's tasks that should take no more. I mean, a a front office person should be able to do this in about 15 minutes a week. And so that's not too bad. Um, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've used practice by numbers in the past. Um, right now I use divergent, um, I've used Dental Intel as well. Um, they're all they're all good um, for me. I, I also like to automate things, and so um, I get my reports emailed to me every night. And so that's that's one thing that I really like. Um, but a lot of these analytics softwares also help in every other respect and help, uh, you know, giving you recall lists to schedule, um, giving you follow up lists if people didn't uh, uh, schedule treatment. Um, but yeah, I think. Sometimes we as dentists get caught up in the costs of what everything is. You know, um a lot of services are, you know, fifty to two hundred dollars a month. And we we start to see, oh, you know, every everything we add on adds some of these things. But when you figure out it only takes I don't know, one hour to do another crown. Uh and so are any of these services in a month going to get you one more crown or one more patient in the door that'll more than pay for all these things. Um, And that'll really put you back into the place where you're best at, which is probably doing dentistry. So that's why I'm never hesitant to, (coughs) to spend money on a service that's going to save me time.
1: Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned uh, divergent. One thing that I really like about divergent is that, and you mentioned this, it comes to your inbox because we all get busy. We'll get lazy. And I, I've had situations where I wanted to look something up and I'm like, when the software is not syncing, when did this like, what, what happened? I haven't used it in such a long time because you know it's, yeah. it's a lot of data and Divergent delivers the data into your inbox. You have no choice but to look at the numbers and that, yeah. and that's really great. Um, and another thing, of course, with, uh, with analytics software is that there's so much data, and it's so yeah. easy to just get overwhelmed. And, and like what do you look at? What numbers do you, you track? And, and you know for me, the way I use it is I when I decide that I want to change something in my practice, I look at the numbers related to that particular you know set of activities or, or whatever it is that I'm changing, and I look at those numbers and I track it. Because if I look at all of the numbers, I'm just going to get paralysis by analysis, right? So what are the numbers numbers that we should be tracking?
0: Well, you know, the biggest KPIs, um, the trailing indicators are your production and collections. And hopefully those are close to each other, you know, um, hopefully net production. So that's all the production that you should be able to collect for. So. Um, you know, sometimes we see practices and, you know, you and I are both on the dental success network and we see people post up saying, well, I've been producing really well, but my collections are down. Well, so if I'm producing a hundred thousand and I'm only collecting 80,000, you know, your collections percentage is 80%, which is really bad. Um, and so, you know, those are a couple of the big ones that, that got to watch, um, uh, a couple of the uh, the analytic softwares do a great job of the reappointment rate um, so of the people in hygiene or in your doctor column are they scheduled for the next cleaning with you guys and so um, that one's a pretty easy one if you were to try to do that manually that would take forever um yes, that and so but that you know so many uh, of the offices that i've purchased um, i see a lot of older doctors and they just say, "Oh, well, we'll call you in six months when it's time for your appointment." and every patient that doesn't have an appointment on the books is another patient that could leave your office, and you're making it easy for them to leave your office and so um you want to show that you care about them by just scheduling them for their six months um, but yeah, like that um, yeah, some of those numbers the uh a lot of analytics softwares don't do your profit and loss statement um, I think. Open Dental had talked about uh, maybe integrating that in a, a while back, and, and I think they can, but I've never used it. Um, it's a great idea, uh, but not not for me, I guess. Since for some multiple locations, it's it's probably too complicated. A
1: little different.
0: Um, but the uh, I, I agree with you though. A lot of analytic software is they try to feed you a ton of data, um, and sometimes they make it very colorful, and you get overwhelmed with the data. And you can lose sight of what's actually important. Um, and so, I, uh, just like what you said, um, the you you need to kind of look at the look at the KPIs and see an area that's a problem or see something in your office that's not working well, and then you you start attacking that problem. And so, uh, in my book, I I kind of tell a story about how um, we were having a lot of no shows and cancels, like late cancellations. So within twenty four hours or our patients just wouldn't show up. And we were, I don't know, somewhere between eight to 10%, I think of, of all appointments on the books would cancel out during the course of a day. And you think that's not too bad. That's, you know, four patients out of 40, um, you know, it, it, at least the office where I did most of my clinical. And so, um, w- and you think, okay, four patients, that's not too bad. That's a pretty high percentage. And so um, so then we basically started honing in on that and we said, okay, everyone in the office knows what our percentage is every day. We're going to start attacking it. We're going to start testing things. So we started tracking the numbers or we, we looked backwards and said, okay, what's the history? And we know what we do now. So we, we do some automated phone calls. We do some texts and everything. Well, okay, now let's start changing things up. So let's add in, um, you know, an extra phone call the day before, or let's add in an email the morning of. Um, and actually, the thing that we found that, you know, they, they had different little improvements, but the thing that improved it the most for me was um, sending out an email the morning of just reminding them of their appointment and don't even give them the option to cancel. Just say, Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you at 10 a.m. Um, that little reminder basically put something in their inbox saying, Hey, remember you have my appointment. Um, and that, that helped, that brought it down about 2%. So I think after that we were about six or 7%, um, which is better. Um, it's not 2%. I'd love to have a 2%, but, um, it improved it. And so, uh, watching that number and really honing in on just a specific data point to work on, uh, is really important because if you tried to work on all, even in my scorecard, all. 20 some numbers that's just too many things so you got to stay focused and and really try to execute on whatever you want to uh do to improve your practice those months
1: i love this i love this just hone in on one thing that you're changing and and you know do one thing at a time and it's funny how distracted we are that so many patients literally forget that they have an appointment in two hours right and i've done that myself you know, you, yeah. you get, this is like the busiest time. You're trying to finish something before your appointment and you completely forget that you have an appointment. <laughs>